You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kasprins, and this is our weekly look at the Chicago White Sox. I am joined, as I am each and every week, by Mr. Scott Merkin. Merk, uh, you know, let's just begin this with what everybody's talking about, obviously, is the Jose Fernandez uh, situation in Miami, the tragic loss of one of the game's great young pitchers and it's something that's really resonated in every major league clubhouse, the White Sox included. What were some of the reactions in there? Yeah, you know, j- just from a personal standpoint, I-, I didn't really ever have a chance to talk to him. He was going to pitch against the Sox in the last game of their interleague series in August. It was a Sunday afternoon, and Chris Sale started for the White Sox. And then they moved him back to kind of manage his innings, you know, coming off the, the surgery and, you know, the-, the full year off the surgery and, just watching him, you know, on TV, what a, what a what a joy to watch, and what a guy, what a player who just kind of got it, you know, who just understood that, yeah, it's their job, it's their profession, but it's fun too, it's baseball, and just, I mean, probably what he went through just to have that career, he um, just embraced it. In terms of the Sox commentary, Jose Abreu chose not to comment on it. He knew, uh, you know, Jose Fernandez, and it was understandable. Uh, Todd Frazier, who faced him a handful of times, talked about. Just how you know he was always accessible. Just the funny head talking to him about the first time he faced him. He said to him, you know, hey, you didn't give me any fastballs in that at bat. And this is the next day they were they were kind of you know stretching and warming up. And he said, yeah, you're not going to get any fastballs from me. And just and and Dan Jennings, who was a reliever for the Sox and played with Jose, just said how he seemed invincible. Just you know the, his personality, his demeanor, the way he went about business. He just seemed invincible. And it was it was just shock. You know, I, we're in the clubhouse Sunday morning in Cleveland and. The, the, everyone who was there, every player, every coach who was there, was watching the, <clears throat> excuse me, the press conference from the the officials in Florida to announce it what happened, and just it was just kind of a, you know, just a quiet pall. And I think eventually people will, you know, right now there's a lot of sadness. People will celebrate the the impact he made and the influence he had and just the greatness and and happiness that he brought to the game of baseball. Yeah, it's a sad loss uh, for everybody. Everybody in the baseball no question. is feeling this one. Uh, and really the community too. I mean, you know, what was his influence he had in that, you know, he was the Marlins pretty much. I mean, not taking away from anyone else on that team, a lot of good young talent on that team, but he represented the Marlins in, in, and baseball in that community so well that it's, it's even, even sadder. Well, let's talk about happier news. Uh, Carlos Rodon, he had his 50th start. Hard to believe he's got 50 starts in the big leagues already. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, and it was a memorable one. Absolutely shut down the Indians lineup at a time when they were trying to clinch the division title. Uh, eight shutout innings, 11 strikeouts. How, how huge is an outing like that for a young man as he gets ready to go into the offseason? And obviously he'll be a focal point next year. Yeah, you know, he's had a great second half. He's worked very well with uh, Omar Narvaez, who was a catcher they kind of called up out of necessity because they had so many injuries and they lost Hector Sanchez, who was kind of the backup to the backup through, uh, through a waiver claim. And it you know, Narvaez has worked well through that, but I think I go back to his start. I, I can't remember the exact date. It was against Baltimore. It was right after the All Star break, and he'd had a bad start against Minnesota. And I, we've talked about this on the podcast before. He was really upset with himself, and you could tell when we talked to him after that Minnesota game that he was just not in a good place pitching wise. And the first two hitters of the Baltimore game, there was a bloop single and then a bloop double, which both could have been caught. Tough plays, but could have been caught. And, you could see he was a little upset, and he just went right through. I think it was Machado and Trumbo were the next two, and he hit 100 miles an hour, which I, I can't remember him doing last year at all in striking out Machado. And he really has, you know, has been a different pitch than, since then. Now, he had a couple rough starts going into this Cleveland start, but 
just, you know, when he commands and attacks the fastball, his walks have been down in the second half of the season. He's been, you know, he's been outstanding. I talked to a few people about him, and, you know, they keep reminding, although, like you said, it's surprising that he's had 50 career starts already, considering he, you know, was drafted just a few years ago as a number three player overall. You know, he's still in the developmental process. Remember, most of his development, all of his development, as a matter of fact, short of, I think it was like 35 and two-thirds innings, that's come at the major league level. So really the first time, you know, he had one season that was kind of decent at NC State. The other two were outstanding. But the first real struggles of his career on kind of a national stage were at the big league level. So you've got to adjust to that, too, and, and figure out how things work there. And, you know, is he going to be a number one of the rotation? Well, that still remains to be seen. But he sure looks like a solid, you know, top part of the rotation. If the Sox choose to go for it again and choose not to rebuild, that's a pretty solid one, two, three combination with Sayo Quintana and Rodon at the top. I think he's every day, he just, every start, he kind of figures it out a little more. And there's no question the stuff was there. I mean, when you put together his, his fastball locating it as he did against Cleveland in the 95, 96 range, and then that wipeout slider, which, you know, I would say I haven't gone around baseball and looked at every slider, but I would say it's one of the better sliders you'll see from a starting pitcher. That, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty tough combination to hit. You know, he needs to work on other pitches and work the changeup in a little bit more, but he knows that that's been something he's been, you know, going with right along. But it, it, it was a nice second half aside from a couple of different starts. And, hey, Chris Sale, who's a Cy Young candidate, he had a rough start against Philly. The best of them have rough starts. So, you, you know, overall, it's been a nice turnaround for Carlos. Now, he did that last year. At the end of last year, he had, a, I think, a good 10-11 start stretch to close the year and then started off slow this year. So he's got to kind of bail, work on balancing it out over the course of a full season. But, again, very young, learning and developing as he goes. How much does that rough start against Philly that you referenced uh, for Chris Sale, how much does that hurt his Cy Young chances? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't have a Cy Young vote. I don't think you have a Cy Young vote either. So it's 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 interesting. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good candidates. I'm not sure if there's one dominant candidate. You know, like I remember Max Scherzer comes to mind a few years ago in Detroit, where I think he finished 21 and three and had like 280 strikeouts and an ERA below three. That it was a pretty slam dunk case there. I thought. I mean, this year again, we mentioned this in the podcast. There's what there's Chris. If, if you want to go into a relief area, Zach Britton has been literally. I mean, we, you know, I'm not stretching almost unhittable this year. Yeah. I think Rick Porcello has won some huge games for Boston this year and has some decent peripherals along with <clears throat> the record that seems to get downplayed now these days. You know, I think he's what 22 and three. Uh, Jay Happ has had a real nice season. Corey Kluber, you know, and, and what does yeah. Corey Kluber's? You know, he left early from the start before we taped this. With, yep. with the groin issue, how does that affect the Cy Young thing? So I, I don't know. You know, Chris is going to have a start against one start against the Rays, who he dominates over the course of his career, and who struck out 23 times against Boston. So that could be an interesting outing. And then he's going to have the choice of going Sunday for the final game of the year. So he has two more starts to kind of do something with it. And I think already his overall body of work puts him right there in the top two or three. It's just a question of what direction people want to go and how much do you weight a team that's successful with a good pitcher versus – the Sox are going to, you know, finish most likely under 500 or right near 500. It's amazing to look back now. Two of, of Sale's uh, three worst starts this season in terms of game score came against the Phillies and Braves, the two worst offenses in baseball. So the you can't predict ball uh, theme definitely holds up there. But uh, you know maybe he'll finish strong and, and finish well in the Cy Young vote. We'll see how that all unfolds. Um, Elsewhere, Merck, uh, Alexi Ramirez did not expect to see him uh, playing opposite the White Sox this season, given that he began the year in San Diego. But lo and behold, 
uh, he ends up with the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, they're reunited. Yeah, they saw him in uh, the final exhibition games in San Diego before the 2016 started season started, and then you know he ended up with Tampa. Was at the uh, was here for the four game series. Got a real nice ovation from the crowd that was in attendance. Tipped his cap. It was, it was a nice moment. You know, he he was a, a very solid contributor over the course of almost a decade for the White Sox. And you know, I, I was asked on a TV show uh, broadcast about his greatest moment. Of course, there's the famous Alexa Yes call with Hawk Harrelson when he fields, uh, I think it was Bartlett's grounder that finished off Mark Burley's perfect game against Tampa. There was the grand slam he hit off Gary Glover in the makeup game that led to the game 163 in 2008 against the Twins, which is maybe one of the most famous games in White Sox history, the blackout game. And just, you know, just, just had a good personality, just really was kind of full of life and energetic, very demonstrative on the field. And, you know, the Sox, there was no BPS or in the first game of the series, so they were a bunch of them playing soccer out in left field, you know, like 5.30, 5.45 Central for a night game. And then a few of them as they were coming in, Chris Sale and Carlos Rodon and Jose Quintana, met uh, Alexei at home plate, nice exchange, nice talk there for a little bit. So he is certainly, he is gone, but certainly not forgotten. And the fans feel the same way. And now, of course, that leads to an interesting moment in the first game of the series where Tim Anderson, who is now the shortstop of the present and the future, hit a ground ball into the hole, which Alexei made a really nice plan and threw him out. So it's kind of the, the, the changing of the guard there, if you will say, from you know the old line to the new line. And Tim has had an outstanding rookie season. You know, if it wasn't for kind of starting late in the year and the Sox not being in contention and guys like Fulmer and Sanchez, who I guess started even later than Anderson, you know, being right up there. I think he would get a few thoughts for rookie of the year, too. He's had that good a season. Mark, one last thing. I saw you tweeting about the top five, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, the top 100 TV shows of all time, Rolling <laughs> Stones list, and you said you'd only seen, uh, what, you hadn't seen three of the top five or two of the top five? I'm thinking that – uh, Given the White Sox competitive state this season, you're about to have more time on your hands uh, come October to, to catch up on TV. What will be the shows you'll be catching up on? Three of the, the, the top – I can't remember the third one that I had seen. The number one show of all time, which I agree, I was Sopranos. I have watched yeah. every episode of that show. Number five was Seinfeld. Also watched every episode of that one. I remember the third one now. The three that I had not – the two, three, four that I had not watched an episode of, any of them is The Wire, Breaking Bad, and Mad Men. So one okay. of my followers, a good fan on Twitter, said that he had never watched The Sopranos, and I have never watched The Wire. So we've both agreed to watch the other show during the off season and compare notes on the and see and see what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's not nothing against those shows. I've heard they're great shows. Just for some reason, never got into those three. But that was the top five according to Rolling Stone. Well, I've I've actually never seen The Wire. That's the only one of the five I've never seen, and I certainly intend to see it uh, someday if I ever stop writing about baseball. Uh, you, you have Breaking Bad. Then? Breaking Bad is my number one, Merck. So you got to get into is that. Is it really more more so than The Sopranos, huh? More so than The Sopranos, absolutely. Uh, Sopranos is great. Breaking Bad was better, and that's the uh, final take of the regular season. And uh, we will catch up with Merck uh, next week to review the 2016 season. I want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. It's been MLB.com Extra Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.